0: welcome to talking pictures trivia the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive i'm one of these friends and today's host nick and with me is
1: tom kj and ragnar For
0: those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these four rapid-fire trivia questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we'll follow it up with a theme discussion, this week being Unreliable Narrator. Thanks to our guest Ragnar for picking the movie for this week. Tom,
2: tell us about today's movie. Walking up to theaters in Argentina in 2009, we would have had to choose between Papa Por Un Día, Return to Bolivia, Las Vuetas de los Jueves, and today's movie, The Secret in Their Eyes. KJ will be our co- questionnaire questioner today. KJ, what is The Secret in Their Eyes all about? In The Secret in Their
3: Eyes, we follow Esposito, a man at the end of his career, retired even, thinking back on one peculiar case that he just can't shake from his mind. And we find out more about the case from his perspective, but we don't really know, is it the book we're getting? Is it the case of what actually happened? Um, The case deals with a rape and murder of the wife of Ricardo Morales, where we find the murderer is indeed Gomez, and Gomez then goes free, and then they try to find him again. Lots of twists and turns, um, and then in the end, we find out that everyone is in their own little prison, and it is kind of sad. It's time for question one. What is defective about the typewriter? Locked, Locked in. in. Everybody? <laughs> hey! hey, hey. <laughs> That's correct. The A key doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Points for everybody. I like
1: when he's (laughs) typing
3: and like he's going over his manuscript and he has to manually write over every A. (laughs) Write them back in. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that talks to our theme a little bit about the unreliable narrator, the unreliable device that is capturing the stories can't quite do it right. But anyway, moving on. It's time for question two. Why did Morales never catch? Gomez in the train station,
2: locked in, locked in,
3: also locked in. Wow! And just for the audience, Morales was the uh, husband, and Gomez is the killer. So um, let's start with Tom.
2: He never took the train into into the city.
3: What did Rack- he take, <laughs> Ragnar?
1: He took a mule. No, I'm kidding. He took the bus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and Nick, he took the
2: bus. Uh
3: oh! Points for everybody. What? what do you mean, everybody? Questions.
2: That's, that knew. answered the question. Yeah, Tom, was... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he take have... the train.
0: <laughs> I guess so. How is the question worded? Why oh, no.
3: did he not catch him?
2: He didn't take the yeah, train. Yeah.
3: Why did Morales never catch Gomez? He never took the train. That's fair. That's fair. And That's
2: we know fair. this That's because fair. in the interview, our main character asks him, What do you take to, to get into the city? And he tells him,
0: What does he tell him? <laughs>
2: I thought it was like the bus or something. Yeah, the yes, bus. So we,
0: we said, bus. said it. Not, we just oh, okay. said it. Yeah. That's what
2: Va- I was debating. A la Aires. You know what? The, 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 the,
0: the one to blame here is the questionnaire.
4: <laughs>
0: I, I always blame yeah, with the structure.
3: I, I went over these with Rachel so we can share a little bit of the All right. So <laughs> yeah. Don't tell her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Let me text her. Did Rachel like the movie? <laughs> she didn't see the movie. She just ah. heard the questions. No wonder
0: she didn't care about the bus. <laughs>
3: She didn't know about the bus. It's time for question three. According to Pablo, what is the one thing a guy can't change about
2: themselves? Locked Locked in. in. Pablo Sandoval, who played third base for the San Diego Giants. I know the essence, but I'm
0: trying to think the actual word. Locked in. Nick, what do you have? He can't change his behavior. Ragnar?
1: In one of the best scenes in the movie, I think, uh, you can't change, he can't change his passion.
0: Tom?
2: I had the same thing. That's he can't fair. change his passion.
0: I couldn't remember the word. I knew the, the essence.
3: Mm-hmm. Points to Ragnar and Tom, Nick, you were close. You were very close, but it was so the So that's passion. like a point or two or what?
1: No, because um, he yeah, said no you can change on. like your, your behavior, your your religion, your God. He mm-hmm. did this, say behavior? That. Maybe. You can change everything except your passion. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the behavior associated specifically with that passion.
3: But you can change everything else. You can change your
0: travel habits by not taking the train.
3: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Very specifically, taking the bus. (laughs) Question four for Tom, (laughs)
2: I, I don't he's know why the this bus. is a thing.
1: <laughs> 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 for years, he's going to get pegged. Why couldn't he
3: find him <laughs> on the train?
0: Because he wasn't on the train. <laughs> That's the answer
2: to the question. <laughs> he didn't take the train. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's time for question four. For what reason does Morales tell Esposito to forget about the murders?
2: Locked in. Locked in? Yeah, I'm going to say locked in. Tom, what do you have? Uh, they're dead. Everyone's dead. You're kind of living in the past that, you know, that that they're that way. You know, that, that the killer is dead. His wife is dead. Um, and they're just going to be consumed with this thing that's already over.
3: Like the snowflakes at the end of your favorite movie?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good movie, you <laughs> son dead. of a bitch. <laughs> Can we at least reference
0: it for the audience? Yeah, uh, well, maybe
2: It's The Dead. It was John Huston's last movie, an interpretation oh, of James Joyce's wow. The Dead. It's an excellent film. Nobody here likes it, but... I dropped
3: out on that one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I tried to watch I got maybe like 40 minutes in. I was mm-hmm.
2: like, no.
3: Nick, what do you
0: have? Again, I'm going to be more specific. He killed... Gomez. So he doesn't have to worry about finding him. Ragnar, what do you have?
1: Hmm. Two good answers. Yeah. I I think in this one, Tom's a little bit more correct. Anyways, he's saying, let it go because yes, they're all dead. And um, your life, if if you just keep turning your wheels and and thinking of all the things you could have done, uh, should have done, that your life is just going to become only memories and no future.
3: Uh, like like his has become. Exactly. And the episode goes to Ragnar in the last <sighs> question. But where yeah. did the points go? Uh, to, Ragnar. to Ragnar. Right to Ragnar. Yeah, he says, you'll wonder if you could have stopped it. You know, the murders. Mm-hmm. You'll have a thousand pasts and no future. You'll end mm-hmm. up with only memories.
2: Yeah. Yeah, which is where we get the conversion at that point from I fear to I love. Yep. Yeah, that's the that love ends up being an, an act that moves us forward or propels us and fear is merely reflection.
3: It was a little cheesy though, right? Because he adds the A in. Yeah, and it's, well, it's tied really to, sick,
1: the, to the... Typewriter. The type I,
2: I, yeah, yeah I, CSI.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I, I think is, T- that what, I, is that what was CSI to you? Is that yeah, what you, it was you were referencing? Like it was, CSI? It was a little excited
3: TV writing. Then
2: yeah, I didn't <laughs> think it was cheesy. Yeah, I, so I'm I'm kind of between you guys. I think there's moments in this movie where it, it gets cheesy. I I think the movie name six. Um, name six. So the the moment I found uh, <laughs> uh, the stuff where um, you have the interview between uh, the head inspector Baez, I think his name was. Um, that interview is kind of it's kind of hard to watch. It's kind of cheesy. It's it's I think his name is Baez. Um, uh, the the
1: head uh, one one thing I struggle with in the movie is like why is this lawyer. Yeah, the, investigating. The, the, I don't know, and then so it's hard for me to remember who's right. the counselor. So there's one.
2: It. There's one detective who initially arrests two construction workers and beats them up. Yes. Okay, he yes. later during the um during the during the, the coup the, era. Yeah. Well, it, it's not really so much. A, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's the coup era. Well,
1: a, yeah, because there was a coup going on, and so he was informing on the insurgents.
2: Yeah. What they had done was in 1976 under the Isabella Peroni government was like basically hire a bunch of degenerates to kill Mm left-wing um left-wing gorillas and so our our killer ends up being one of those the Mm -hmm. guy who's in charge of that I believe his name is Baez the scene where they go to him to say you let this guy out and he sort of thrills in doing it I I found that to be a little um melodramatic I think it, it was it was a scene in which it was meant to kind of get your goat um to kind of toy with your emotions. And I think the fact that it ends with the killer walking into the elevator and whipping out a gun and loading the gun in front of them just to let you know how powerless they feel, blah blah blah. And the gun also has this kind of phallic thing to it. Like oh oh which of that, is I, which
1: which refers back to the scene where he literally takes it out.
2: Takes it out yeah um like that that's a little much and even in the scene where he exposes himself and hits her seems too easy right there's something pat about but doesn't
0: it. that fit his character that he's like a little unhinged
2: yeah. yeah it it does he's also been fairly good at avoiding the authorities up to this point it just he's baited so easy and we're later told that he's so smart that that's why they hire him to fight gorillas and this also brings
3: up the topic of the week which is the unreliable narrator so my question is is that what happened or is that what makes a good book Is that how Esposito either wants to remember it or has embellished his memories? What version are we getting? A real version? Like, is that how that interrogation went? Everybody came off so cool, especially, um, oh, what's her name? Especially Irene. I took the whole movie as fact. So I think I just blew
0: up the topic of unreliable narrator because I just was like, this is how it happened. I didn't even, like, question it. So I I think I'm a little off base here.
4: (laughs)
3: Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample.
0: I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print, because we don't want to print things as we're going
3: along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even (laughs) if I did type (laughs) print, where is it going to print to? 1982?
2: I I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Let's
3: try it. You go west. The trolls clearing. The visible-
2: Oh, we died. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. The
3: troll, the troll saw us and killed us. So I think we have to say the answer to the riddle then. The answer is dark. Say dark, I think. Talk to what? Golem. Say golem dark. You talk to Gollum. Thorin says, hurry up. And we died. And we died. So we went northeast last time.
4: So let's go to southwest.
3: You go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring.
4: Oh, uh, wow.
2: wow. here that's, that's perfect. Awesome. That's wow. perfect.
3: Wow. Limited lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know why that. Yeah, I'm I lean towards with Nick on this one. There are some parts maybe, but. Not sure what scene led you to believe that some parts like this uh, interrogation could be unreliable.
3: Well, I'm glad you asked, Ragnar. So first (laughs) of all, we we start the movie with him writing a book. So right off the bat, we're saying he's remembering these things, he's writing them down, he's telling us a a narration. Then the other, like the, the big evidence to me was he remembers how it must have been for Pablo when Pablo died, but he couldn't have known that. So that's a very, very telling to me that the movie is saying, look, some of these scenes are Esposito either guessing, remembering in a more fantastic way, especially that Pablo scene, but also um, right. Morales says he can't remember if it was lemon or honey in his tea the morning of the murder. So that's, again, the movie telling us, here's some vocabulary you can use to evaluate the movie or interpret the movie. Um, they're goodbye on the train platform. Irene says, that's not how it happened. But then you're kind of like, oh, wait. Maybe no, she, right I, I thought hands. she... I thought she was toying then, with him. Like, right, right, right. Yeah,
0: I thought she was actually validating that is how it happened, but they weren't open with their feelings about each other at that point.
3: But even so, it then she's the unreliable, like, right? Because she says that couldn't have been how it happened because if you felt that way, you wouldn't have left on the train. So again, there's just, there's, there's a sense of doubt in all these narrative points from. I see
1: your point. I mean, like just to, to the, to the one with Irene, like she has a very playful personality towards him. And I don't know if it's because I can, I can, I wasn't busy reading the subtitles um, for the audience. I speak Spanish showing off. (laughs) <laughs> One of my many languages. I got a few words
0: in there too, you know? Hola,
1: Milama Ragnar. No, um... <laughs> uh, but like, she was she was saying that. She was saying like, is that how it happened? But she was saying it more like, is that how it happened? Was I really that? Foolish? Yeah, I think like, she was, it was being, more like toying with him, you know? Exactly, yeah. I okay, think so. how
3: about the scene where Morales t- recounts how he killed Gomez and we see it in the movie like we saw true. every other scene. True, true. So true. I think a lot of true. these... Are hit or miss whether they. Yeah, but he didn't, him. he didn't kill. He didn't kill. Well, that's Cage's we point,
1: right? Cage's point is like we saw the images on the
3: screen. If they rolled credits at that point, then that would have been the story.
1: I mean, I, I, I'm not. This is to your point. I'm not sure if I, I agree with 100, but it is towards your point. He does then say, "Choose wisely," because memories is all we. Memories are all we have. Like.
3: You, and that's why, like, it feeds into that theme right. of a thousand yeah. past and no future. He's he's like, just gone over it so many times in his mind he can't remember what happened. Right. So then it's got to be this version.
2: Interesting. Hmm. I think that relates to you know the the kind of the the themes that the the movie is articulating more directly, which is that the past is something that is can be torturous right? That, that really just hangs on you if you live in the past. And it could be that the, the past is unreliable, even if it's not something we can recount factually, the past is unreliable because it, it swallows you up if you allow it. And you have to have this kind of you know, kind of stoic resolve of, of living in the present um, and living in a kind of forward direction, which is the irony of the end is that this, this old man finally finds the courage to go out with this woman who he's loved for in excess of 25 years, um, which ends up being the forward motion. It's a movement away from um, writing the stories of the past, which you you cannot rely on, right? Because um, ultimately he wants to find justice and justice has already been served, but it's a sickly and ugly justice that has killed off not only the person who needs to be killed off, the criminal, but the person for whom justice is supposed to be some sort of reward or some sort of salve, um, the husband. And so that's how I see the past as being unreliable. Not so much in, can we recount the facticity of the past, but, but the past cripples us, it consumes us. And only in our resolution to no longer type the past but to take our pen and write the present into the text of the past, can we move forward and find happiness?
0: So in a rare twist of fate, I'm going to support KJ's unreliable narrative with the mention of a specific scene. The one where he thinks what must have happened to his colleague who got killed mm-hmm. because all the pictures were turned upside down. So that's one where... Clearly, he doesn't have proof. He does say that, though, too. That, like, that one he's like, mm-hmm. says, This is my interpretation. So that wasn't like hidden, but there's an example of, and again, I don't know if it's unreliable or him just projecting what he thinks happened.
1: Cause you see him earlier testing the pictures, he's trying to knock him over, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then that's just planting the seed in the audience's mind. And then he does say, Like, I don't know what happened. This is what could have happened in, in an effort to kind of like try to get this guy to tell him what he's not telling him.
3: That's um, another great example. The The opening scene is him trying to write the book and then we cut to the, the murder. And then we see him go to back to Iranay when they're older and he's like, I can't start this book. So in my head, that's him trying to remember or, or recount what the murder must have been like. So even that's probably not how it happened. It's how he's trying to describe it for his book so that the audience can. So I thought right from the very beginning, that's what the movie is telling us. That's the vocabulary this mm-hmm. movie's giving us to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I, know, I, I, see, I see what you're saying, yeah.
3: yeah. There's another scene where um, Esposito asks Irene if she's ever looked at him from a different angle. And in that scene again, I thought they were trying to say, "Hey, look at this movie from a different angle," or "This movie is looking at this narrative from a different angle every time with these unreliable mm-hmm. narrators." I thought or, that
0: was one of those scenes where they got interrupted, right? So you thought they were going to have like a, like a deeper conversation, and then I think the colleague walks in the door and well, he invites the colleague, invites him, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he wanted to so... talk
1: about something else, and she and thought. she was, She's, yeah, yeah. Gonna... it was like. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> thinking, yeah, thinking Leave that. Leave the door open. It, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's an interesting, that very Christopher Nolan esque, you know, Inception kind of thing. Yeah, interesting. But I, I do want to say, Tom, to to what you were saying earlier. Um, what I do think is the heart of the movie, um, and I think it's very important. The the husband, the, the, husband, the survivor, if you will, the uh, uh, the victim is survived by the mm-hmm. husband. Um, I think he knows that he's giving up his life Mm -hmm. and he does it willingly uh, to get to get justice for his wife that he will never get over he will he will never move on he knows that so this is all he can do and i think the scene because when i said earlier there was two love stories it was this love story a, a pure love that was shattered and then this uh delayed love that was Uh, delayed by fear um, of of asking her out and making a move or what have you Mm -hmm. and when he tells him when the two stories meet truly is when he tells him look at me i have no future i only have memories it's an empty life you don't do that Mm -hmm. and and i think that to me is the, the the heart of the movie you know finding a way to move forward like you were talking about fear is something that holds us back, that keeps us in the past. And, and love, in, in this case, is something that propels us forward. And that's when he turned fear into love by adding the A and therefore yeah. achieving what the guy couldn't uh, because of the, the crime. So I think that's a very important point that you made, and I think it's the heart of the movie.
2: Yeah. And I think going to KJ's to unreliable narrator thing and connecting it to that observation that Ragnar you just made, um, he often i think imagines i think a lot of the, the things that are imagined that he can't possibly know are of the the shattered couple or, or scenes like you were mentioning kj of how this must have been for that couple whose whose wife died um and he i think is imposing his own feelings upon that relationship his feelings for irena um you know and so uh this kind of, this, this love that um, you'll never give up, right? He tells the man who's, whose wife is murdered that he he's never seen kind of this love in him, um, which is a, a kind of experience he wants to have. However, it turns out, I think, uh, again, speaking to KJ's point, that that sort of uh, attraction he must have for this man and this affection he has ends up being this kind of dead end, right? That that's, that that, that feeling he felt he understood, he actually doesn't really, right? He doesn't really understand that. And trying to write it isn't really doing him any favors because he doesn't understand it. The truth of it is it's a love that leads to no future as you, as you said, Ragnar. And so I think it is uh, an unreliable narrator situation in the sense of um, he's imagining his own emotional state in this relationship. And really he he can't really capture that, right? He, he doesn't really know what that experience is like, even though the, the movie is kind of, um, the movie initially is indicating that he can have that experience. Uh, and so I, I imagine, and this is kind of my maybe my headcanon, I imagine he, in the end, once he gets together with Irina, uh, breaks off the novel, right? I, I think that is over. 100%. Um, yeah, I, I think that writing the past is something you can't do. Just speak yeah. To speak to KJ's point again about the unreliable narrator, right? An unreliable narrator is somebody who cannot write the past. We cannot rely on this person to, to script the past. Um, and he's not going to be an unreliable narrator anymore. And so the yeah. door closes.
0: Yeah, Continuing the references to the unreliable narrator, one that definitely jumped out at me was at the end. I did not predict the actual twist, but I did know something was off with Ricardo Morales's uh, explanation of what happened to Gomez or what he did to Gomez, because it was out of character for him. Mm-hmm. So I did catch my spidey senses did go off in the fact that he was like, "I took him and I threw him in a trunk and I shot him to death." You know, it didn't fit any of the prior dialogue. I didn't catch the big twist that like he was holding him prisoner per se. I can't take full credit for that, but that one really jumped out at me as like hey this is not factual
1: i actually want to ask you guys uh, about that scene and and talking tom about uh headcanon um i've seen this movie five times i'm a, as i said i'm a massive fan and I, i'm not 100 percent sure what he does with that discovery does he tell somebody does he try to write you know lawfully you know say hey you can't do that and and you know, report him or does he let it go?
3: I think he completely lets it go. I think this is a time he sees that Morales has a prisoner, right? Gomez is literally a prisoner, but Morales is also a prisoner to the past. And then I think Esposito realizes he's a prisoner of regret. And that's what lets him then go to Irene and try to start that life. Yeah. I'm in the
0: camp that he just moves on and says, Life's too short and I'm gonna focus on <laughs> mm-hmm. what's important to me. Yeah. I wasted too much time already. Maybe he
1: sees there in that moment how horrible uh, man, the names are Morales's existence is, you know. Mm-hmm. He did promise him life. Yeah, he did say <laughs> you, said, you said life. Mm-hmm. I like that take. Yeah, I like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I well if you think of what does it do for the the themes of the film and the, the for the characters for him to tell. Right. Um, you know, it, it means that he hasn't learned the thing he has to learn, which is to let the past go. Right. Um, he's still seeking justice or, or what have you. I think in the American remake, the Julie Roberts character, who is Gomez, uh, I think kills, kills him in the end. I think it ends with her finally mm. being able to let go. Um, back check wait gomez as the prisoner oh wait Uh, Uh, morales morale who's the who's the prisoner i'm sorry gomez 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 okay julia roberts plays morales okay in the in the american version Um, and it's her daughter who's killed as opposed to a a wife or something like that increase the tension yeah it doesn't it's a bad movie (laughs) i (laughs) mean it
1: it has to be it has to be a wife because he's that's the kind of love he's looking for. yeah it has to be a wife. So making it a child is just it trying to...
2: It trying kind of to, unravels the film, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the film is kind of well knit. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah.
3: Well, to unravel this episode, congratulations again, Ragnar, for winning this episode. Yay! Well,
2: thank you. Thank you. <laughs> ah, it's about so time close. I got to win. Oh, God. I, yeah. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> just got to get on that bus and make it happen uh, next time. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't find you. At the would, would now, no. mind, <laughs> How did Ragnar win? He showed
3: up on the episode.
1: He got the most points. Wait, wait. I just want. To, I just want to point out one small detail and see oh, if you sure, sure, got sure. it. Because it, it. Yeah, Elke. Elki's my wife. Uh, she got it like the first time she saw it. It took me five viewings to see it. But um, remember how? Um, Espinino, what the main character. Tracks down the killer by looking at the pictures, and he's always looking at the victim throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really cool. And then in the in present day, so to speak, when the main character is talking to Irene, um, and they're looking through old pictures of their parties, he's of always her engagement party. He's always looking at, at that her. Immediately, yeah. it took me five. Immediately, and, and like, What? Do you, what do you, how do you miss that?
0: yeah no i saw that right away yeah
1: okay. just wanted to see if i was mm-hmm. at yeah
0: that was no i'm glad you brought it up because that was a an interesting take in there he's yeah. doing the same stare at her at her engagement party yeah
2: i'm not a creepy <laughs> that's a, that's a lot love of is good. creepy join
0: us next time when we discuss groundhog day from 1993 stay tuned for our
2: first impressions of this film you can rate and review this show anywhere podcasts are available For those viewing in YouTube land, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the Talking Studios channel for all our exciting content, and follow us on Twitter at Talking Studios. Check out other shows by Talking Studios, including Keep Making Movies, where we explore micro-budget films, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games, And Get the Point, where we slowly reveal a movie poster and try to guess which movie poster it is. Got a question for us? Call the Talking Studios hotline at 201-467-8679 and leave a message. It may be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Talking Pictures Trivia wherever fine podcasts are found.
0: Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing Groundhog Day from 1993. Tom, how was your watch?
2: I've liked this movie for a long time. I don't remember when my first watch was, but it certainly predated college. And it's a pretty interesting movie. When I first saw it, I think you indulged the fantasy of what you would do with that time if you were, you were stuck in a, a time loop that seemed or was close to infinite um and then watching it again as a person who is very very close to middle age slash is middle-aged uh it has a very different resonance and it means a lot more to me now I think this viewing was actually kind of deeply meaningful in the sense of um recognizing just how Uh, how kind of pointless a lot of ambition is and and that's what jumped out at me as opposed to the fantasy of being able to perfect a day or or, or something like that it was far more admitting the futility of most things we do is actually pretty liberating that was my uh, first impression thousandth impression whatever you want to call it um dan how about you how was your first watch
4: yeah, I would say that you know, thinking about it's, it's a really good perspective on watching it. The I can't remember the the first time I watched it, and I remember just thinking about how fun it would be. Um, but at the same time, as you mentioned, like watching it again at this age, um, you know, it's so different. Like he's he's an he's still like an, an a man who doesn't have a family. He's still very ambitious and trying to like succeed in life, and and he almost feels like he's like stuck in this rut in this horrible you know situation that he got himself in and and he just he just he's doing like in this town it's almost like being like in the worst place at the wrong time and just it's like almost like realizing that he's in purgatory and that's what I feel like in watching it at this age now um having a family and thinking about what it's like um relative to when i saw it before it's it, it's so different um but i, I think that it, it really kind of sh- shows me that you know um it, it, it's almost like a it, it's almost like like i feel it's like all the stages of grief he's you know going through like being perplexed not realizing what's going on and then and then just 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 you know um he's in he, he he's in he's in uh, disbelief and then and, and then and then he's he's almost trying to like get out of it and, and realizing well maybe I can make the most out of this but then it's all for all the wrong reasons and it isn't until he does it for the right reasons that he then kind of has like full closure and being able to move on from this this you know wretched stage of his life which I think that really if anything I'm sure that the moment that he I always thought about like what is he going to What is he thinking at the moment that he he's finally out of it? He's like, "I've grown so much and have learned so much. Maybe this was like the best thing that ever happened to him. And I think that was kind of like something that I, I realized when I was younger thinking that, but it still came to that same conclusion here when I watched it again. How about you, Nick?
0: This is a movie I've always enjoyed, just like Tom. I have no idea when the first time I saw it. I maybe it was in college and I used to have like comedy central on all the time and all the cable channels on in the background. I I have a feeling it might've been during that period of time, but it may have been before. I I really don't know.
4: This is the 30th year anniversary. I was 10 years old when it came out. I have a feeling I watched it around that time or when it first came out, not in the theaters, but like probably soon after uh, on TV.
0: VHS? Or I was going to say, yeah, I didn't know if it was TV or VHS. Yeah, like HBO <laughs> or
4: something. Probably HBO. That's what I always think about. Whenever I watch a good movie, it was usually yeah. on HBO then. Got right it. after that fuzz, that classic fuzz <laughs> you'd always watch.
0: So one of the things that always jumped out at me about this movie, I enjoy the comedic elements of it. I think it's really nice. Bill Murray's great. The banter, yeah. everything in every different phase he has. But the one thing that always really resonated with me was actually – there's certain elements of this film that are really dark and it could be easily overshadowed when you think back on it. But when you really focus on the film, there is some parts where he is just in pure misery. And that always jumped out at me that it was pretty good in the balance of how all these different emotions happen throughout this film. I'm going to hold off there because I know we're going to go into it more next week, but, but I always thought that was a good way they played with the different stages. I think Dan was talking about that a little bit too. So Hold tight till next week. We'll we'll dig a little deeper.
2: Wow, talking studios.